What's good, revolutionaries? Javon Wooden, author of Own Your Kingdom and CEO of Live Not Loathe. What's your revolution? You know, I look at vulnerability as a strength. um, And my revolution is helping especially black men to be more vulnerable so we can get that abundance (laughs) that is destined for us. So we can live lives of happiness and joy versus bitterness and cold. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, revolution? Welcome to the What's a Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them. We discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves, where people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What's good, revolutionaries? What's good? I hope that you are well and that you are doing your thing in the world. That's what I say to you all the time. I hope that you're doing your thing in the world, that you're enjoying yourself, that you're finding peace, that you're finding a space to rest. And let me just talk about that for a second. I have spent the last four or five, maybe six months just resting. And what does that mean? It means that I'm not going. As my good friend Reggie Hubbard said, the grind will the grind will actually grind you to dust. And I felt like before before this rest period that I was getting to that period where I was grinding the dust, like job and family and podcast and all of the things were just weighing on me. And I never thought at this stage of my life that I was going to get a chance to rest and rest is revolutionary. And that ability to actually quiet your mind and your spirit and to actually find your space. What has allowed me to do revolutionaries is that it has allowed me to listen Right to, to listen, listen to my mind, uh, listen to other folks, and to be able to decide what is next. And so that's what I implore you to do. If you have the ability to do that, find a space of rest, find a time out for yourself in your life so that you can listen to what's going on around you. You can listen to yourself and you can find your revolution in that. It will come loud and clear. And as I slowly move out of this phase of rest. It is because I am finding the next path. I'm on my revolution. I'm on focus. I'm on passion, as we say. And so if that is your revolution to be rest, to be restful, then I applaud you. If it isn't your revolution, somehow try to incorporate it into what you're doing, because I promise you, you will be better on the other side. You will be better for your family. You'll be better for your community. You'll be better for your partners. You'll be better for yourself. So that's what we're doing. Early this year, my good friend Howard Price came on the show, a well-known triathlete who's done amazing things, and he talked about mindset, how we have a mindset for the new year. And I began thinking about that, and that mindset really moves into how we look at our revolutions and how we fulfill our revolutions. We've talked about the five pillars, right? Revolt and evolve. Know your choice points. Find your midwives. Know your revolution is not for you, not just for you, and always becoming the next revolution in your life. And so I said, you know, I want to keep this conversation going. And I was like, there's a good brother out there doing some great things, doing some amazing things. And we've been trying to get this conversation going. So I'm very, very happy to actually bring to the show mindset coach Javon Woodard, who is the author of Own Your Kingdom and the founder of Live Not Loathe. 
Brother Javon, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Doc. Thank you. Appreciate it, Dr. Corporal, Mr. Charles. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm glad we finally get to have this conversation. I know we're going to add a lot of value to the listeners. You know, mindset is everything, so I'm excited to get it going. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Let's 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 jump in because uh, at some point I'm going to ask you my favorite question in the world. Um, but I want to know. Thing I want you to do a double click for a second, and that's that's my thing. When we talk about mindset, what it, like, operationally define that? What's your definition of mindset, and how that mindset then plays out into how we actually show up in the world? Sure. For me, mindset is really it's about how we react or respond to situations, circumstances, experiences, feelings, emotionals and such. Um, it's really not about because if you think about this, we all go through some things. Right. But we deal with things very differently. And when I'm referring to mindset, I'm referring to being in the mindset where we can uh, see options and opportunities. Right. Mm, yes, so yes. Two, two really main thoughts of mindset. You have the, the scarcity or the lack space and then you have the abundance in the growth space. Right. And my thing is to be in that growth space no matter what's going on uh, so that we'll talk about that a little more. But that's really mine in a nutshell. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, brother. Uh, and I appreciate that because you, you think about mindset and, and it's, some, it's something simple. Right. We think that. You know, we go through this world and if I, you know, I have the right mindset, but it, it's a practice. It's, it is a, it is a practice because here, here, here's Dr. Corp in this space. The mind actually skews negative. It is a protective mm-hmm. factor, right? If we think a situation is negative, our ancestors said, you know what? Let's skew the brain negatively so we can be protected against predation. There's threat happening everywhere. And so by assessing that there's threat happening everywhere, as, as my as my friend Marquita says, is that, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Right. And so the, the brain is actually ready for threat, but it is, it is overreacting to threat. And we're thinking about that. And so if we have we have to consciously shift our mindset to say there may not be threat, there may not be predation. Right. This person may not be trying to harm me. This situation may not be as bad as I think it is. It is it is about it is about our mindset. And I I love that you think about that. And if if we think about things from a scarcity mindset or an abundant mindset, that scarcity mindset is that lack I do not have. And so because I do not have or I have I have scarce resources, I must protect. I must protect but we have that abundant mindset as you're talking about, and we'll double click on this later on, is that I see opportunity all the time. Money will come to me. Opportunities will come to me. Things that I ever never thought if I have this abundant mindset. And so thank you for just double clicking on that. Absolutely. So let me go ahead and get it out of the way, right? So we can really double click on who Javon Woodard is. But brother, Woodard, Woodard, Woodard. Woodard. Yes, say it again sir. for me. Wooden. Wooden. Javon, yes, what, look, look. And, and the funny thing about it is I have it as Javon Wooden in my phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Here, my line brother's last name is Woodard. <laughs> That's what it is. I keep saying, where is Woodard? Yeah, Nathan, we're talking about you on the show. Nathan Woodard, right? <laughs> Dr. Nathan Woodard is my line brother. Good brother of Omega Side 5. But Javon Wooden. <laughs> author of Own Your Kingdom and CEO of Live Not Loathe. What's your revolution? 
Man, you know, it's in the name of the company, the live not loathe, right? It's really about the transformation and it all starts with vulnerability. You know, I look at vulnerability as a strength mm-hmm. um, and my revolution is helping especially black men to be more vulnerable so we can get that abundance <laughs> that is destined for us. So we can live lives of happiness and joy versus bitterness and cold. Mm. Um, so that that's why I named my company Live Not Low. That represents the transformation that I've gone through myself and that I hope to give those of my clients and people who hear me. Um, loathing for those who are like, OK, that's a word I don't hear every day. Right. Loathing is really, really, really past hate. It's like you just cannot stand it. You abhor it. It's just it's not for you. And we loathe ourselves. We mm. loathe our circumstances. We loathe our jobs. We loathe our spouses, our children. We loathe a lot of things. And the reason why we're in that precision is because we think things are permanent. And that goes back to that scarcity, that lack, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That permanent mind state that things will not change. It's just how it is going to be. It's the way it is. We always have to do it this certain way, right? Well, I want to flip that on his head and say, hey, we have agency over our lives. There mm-hmm. are certain things that we can control. And the main thing being the effort and how we respond, not react to things. Uh, so that's where that name comes from. And that's my revolution. Mm, mm, I love that. I, I I love that. And thinking about, because it goes back to our theme of the conversation already. If you have the right mindset and thinking through things, loathing is, loathing is not an option. <laughs> it is not. And, and, and lo- like you said, I, I loathe this man. I despise this, right? It is, it is not where I want to be. It is, it is. And we think I loathe this. Like you said, it, it is an enduring thing. Like you, there's a level of permanence and, I was listening to Brene Brown and um, I can't think of the brother's name. Um, he's actually married to Kristen Bell and his, oh God, it, it was there for a second. But they talked about how really the understanding is that we want joy to actually be permanent. You know, we want to be happy all the time. We want to, we want to stay in that phase like, oh God, because we don't ever really think that joy goes away. But when, when we, when we have the hard times, when we have tough times, we're like, damn, when is, when is this, when is this going to end? Like we never say, look, we never say, look, when is this joy going to end? Right. (laughs) You know? And so, and there, there's a, there's, if you're looking at the wave, if you're looking at the graph of joy and pain, there's that wave there, there's that wave. You know, uh, my boy, Dr. Eli Beatty would say the ebbs and flows of life and we go through it. And, you know, um, we, we, we go through it, but I understand that is that we can't loathe the experience. If we want to have the abundant mindset, if we want to have, you know, this ability to, to move on past trauma is that we have to understand. Go ahead, brother. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, we have to understand that we think about yin and yang. Well, pain is the counterbalance to joy, right? Mm -hmm. That discomfort. There has to be that balance in life. If we were always happy, we wouldn't be happy because Mm -hmm. we wouldn't know the difference. (laughs) So we have to understand that those that adversity and the things that we face is to make sure that we really appreciate and we are grateful for the experiences of the happiness and the ups. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, Devon, I thank you for just illuminating, uh, this. I want to go down deeper now because, you know, my revolutionaries were like, well, who is this dude? Right. I understand live, not loathe, own your kingdom. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your story. Who is Devon? 
Now, Javon grew up in Rochester, New York on the east side, right? We grew up, we grew up like many of us, right? Uh, impoverished area, you know, uh, grew up in, actually, I grew up in a polygamous household. My mom was mm-hmm. wife number two, right? Of course, that's not legal. So, you know, we didn't know the difference back then, though. Uh, so it really impacted the way I viewed love um, mm-hmm. and value. Uh, here was my mother. I'm like, man, she's the dopest woman on earth to me. But she conceded in my eyes at that time, conceded her value to be number two. Uh, and then, you know, compound that with not having any money still, even though she did what she had to do to make sure we were okay. And living in a dilapidated home, you know, that probably shouldn't have been lived in in the first place, all these different things. And it really frustrated me as a youth. Uh, so I got to the point where I was like, hey, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands because I'm tired of wearing the same two pairs of shoes, five pairs of slacks and three shirts, you know, every year. Um, mm. So I ended up getting arrested for an assault and robbery charge at the age of 17 and I faced seven years in prison. And while I was sitting in county jail, my mom and my sister, my oldest sister, Chandra, they came to visit me. And during that visit, you know, here I am, a young man who just didn't care. I didn't care that I was in there. I said, whatever, it's probably better than being out there. At least I'm getting three meals. And I come down to the visitation room. My mom tells me she puts the house up to get me a lawyer. Now, if you know anything about lawyers, they don't come cheap. And you know anything about public defenders, you're probably going to do some time. So she didn't want me to do that time. And she put that house up, which meant that if anything was to take place, I somehow escaped bail or didn't show the court any of that, they would have been homeless. That means my mom, my three sisters and my brother would have had nowhere to stay. And here I am would have been locked up anyway. So that actually sparked something in me that brought Mm -hmm. me alive where I was feeling like, you know, I had some value to me other than what society told me I was. So I go up to the jail cell that night and I just asked for help. I don't know who I was just asking for some help to get another chance, as we all do when we in trouble. But I, lo and behold, I get another shot. You know, about two weeks later, uh, luckily, the victims never showed and I was given another chance. And I really wow. feel like that was my opportunity to see that I wasn't destined for that life. Now, was it easy all through these other years? No, (laughs) I still couldn't afford anything, but I decided to work two jobs. So I didn't do that. So I didn't go back in those streets. I tried college when I was younger, didn't work. But then I saw another option because I started seeing that that positive aspect. I started looking in an abundant state and say there has to be more. You know, I started realizing that some of my tools were my mind Mm -hmm. and the heart. And I joined the military at 22. And now the military is really, really when live not low started to become a thing because I had the opportunity to lead. I had the opportunity to expire, educate and defend. Um, and those things really, really showed me that I was more than capable of anything I had thought possible. Um, and if you fast forward to the year 2017, my final deployment, I knew I was getting out of the military. That was, that was 12 <laughs> years that I was in. I knew I was going to get out because my body just wasn't, it couldn't, couldn't handle it anymore. And, but I get home and I end up suffering from PTSD and depression. Mm. Now in the black community, we go through a lot of feelings and it's never diagnosed. So when you hear those things, you're like, what? I'm fine <laughs> until, no. it yeah. until it hits you. It hit me, you know. So while I was deployed, there was a suicide bombing that took place, took out some of my comrades uh, while we were lined up for a Veterans Day run in 2016, November. Now, I was a part of the Remains Cleanup team, and I also oh. was a part of uh, getting people uh, patient care and aid and administration. I didn't realize how it impacted me. 
uh, I thought I was fine. You know, I had seen a lot of stuff, death included, you know, and I was fine. At least I thought I was. But what I didn't realize was all the anger, all the frustration, all the quick to reaction, all the the uh, alcohol abuse, all that stuff was really because I was using negative coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And when I got home after about eight months in uh, Afghanistan, I called my sister, my older sister, same one, Chandra. And I was telling her that I didn't want to do it anymore. I started having suicidal ideations. Yeah. And she told me two words. She said, get help. Now, if you know, as a black man, like you probably can relate to this. We're like, what? Get help. I'm supposed to be Superman. You know, I'm supposed to be the one that my family can lean on. Right. Let me puff up my chest. Right. Yeah. Let me. Puff yeah. up. I don't need help. I can do this on my own. You know, now I say 10 toes down. You know, I'm going to get it. How I am. Get it out. The <laughs> All these different things until you really, really have some time to realize, like, you want more out of life. And this can't be life. Right. Um, and 50 Cent recently said depression is a luxury. He said that in one of his interviews. Now, what he meant was growing up, like I said, in the hood and all that stuff, you don't have time to think about these feelings that I'm expressing to you now. You don't have time to think about, man, I just don't want to do this anymore because you have to get up and go. You got to keep going, keep moving. Now, what happens when you hit that point is what happened to me when you just can't keep going anymore is what happened to me. And that's where Live Not Low truly became a thing. That's where Javon Wooden that you see today really, really started flourishing because I had to go to therapy. I had to get my own coach or else you wouldn't be seeing me right here in front of you. Yeah. And that really caused me to not just want to be a coach, but to be a change maker. Right. To be an agent. That's where Own Your Kingdom comes from. Um, Own Your Kingdom is, you know, we hear about the biblical sense of the kingdom. Where mine is is about your mind, body, spirit. And when you're centered on all three of those, you can focus. And when you can focus, you can see opportunities and options and you have a purpose. And that's where all of this comes from. Right. And that's what I look to give for my clients. Yeah, brother. There's so much. There's so much there. And thank you for sharing your story. Um, Because. Interestingly enough, you can let your story define you in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. We can. And we're hopefully that as black men, we can, we can use our stories as a story of resilience. Right? These, are, these are stories. And, and you often hate sometimes that we're telling these stories as black men that you know, we had to overcome. Like we, we have to be resilient because there's a tax that goes along with that. Javon, there, there's a, because if I listen to this story, if Dr. Corpu listens to this story, I hear a story of resilience. I hear a story of coming up through situations that are, would be considered as adverse, right? Different things that were, there were challenges. I, I heard you having to clean up, right? To actually pick up and like pick up your colleagues after yep. a very traumatic event. We talked about trauma before in, in the agreement and, 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 and then internalizing all that because death is traumatic. Right. And, and, and when it comes in such a sudden form where our brain doesn't really experience, you know, our, our brain doesn't actually expect it. Then all of a sudden it's, it's this very traumatic experience. Right. And we're not taught Javon how to internalize that. And then, as you said, how do we cope with that? Because as children, we don't grow up and see that. We may see it on the TV, but to internalize firsthand, right? And, and, and then to say, I now have to move on with that 
with that scar, with the mark, as I, as we said, as, as, as Gabbermate says, you know, it's not the event, it's the mark that it leaves on Absolutely. us. And then what do we actually do with that mark? And so these stories that we have as, as, as black men, and I'm saying that as black men, oftentimes are these stories of resilience. But resilience does not happen, as you said, if we don't actually go and walk through the journey with someone else. And I say this all the time is that for us to birth our revolutions out into the world, we have to find our midwives. And sometimes it, it, it is very interesting to say that because the revolution in this sense is I need to heal. I need to walk, as, as Ramal Toon said in, 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 on his show, Brother Javon, he said, I want to walk in a world without my trauma. What does that look like? And that was one of the deepest answers to that question, what's your revolution? I want to be able to walk in a world without my trauma. And so that means that to do that, I've got to even acknowledge that it exists. And then I've got to be able to, one, work through it because it's practice. Because what happens is that, as you know, there will be these triggers. And it would be interesting, you know, interesting to, to know like what triggers and I don't, you don't need this is a rhetorical question, but what triggers, you know, uh, an event when you say I, I have PTSD, that means there are certain triggers that all of a sudden now images and thoughts and feelings and physiological responses are coming up for you. And how do you then cope effectively? Because those triggers and maladaptive coping can lead us down a road to alcoholism, to drug abuse, to uh sex addiction, you know, and as you said, sometimes to suicide. And that is problematic because we are losing too many of us to the traumas that we're facing. And this show, this show recorded in February will note that Tyree Nichols was murdered, right? George Floyd was murdered. And the unfortunate aspect of this is that we as black men internalize that because we get to see it on a loop and think about what that does i can't even I, I i i people keep asking have you seen the george floyd video or have you seen the tyree nichols video i'm like no because i don't want to relive what i saw when i was growing up in the 70s and 80s the lynching and what and seeing the hanging of our i can't do that and so I say all this because I want to get away from the stories of resilience and I just want black men to be ordinary. Right. You know, my good frat brother and Jarvis DeVere says that, that we just want to live ordinary lives. I want to wake up. I want to have my tea. I want to have my coffee. I want to read the newspaper. I want to work. I want to mow the lawn. I want to love on my partner. Right. I want to, I want to kiss and love my kids. All the damn things. These are, these are things that I'm wishful for <laughs> right now, but you know, I want to, I, I, I want to, you know, love on my wife. I want all, all the things and just to have a wake up and have a normal life instead of saying I can do all those things, but I had to overcome this too. Absolutely, man. I, yeah. And I, I talk about that constantly. So I'm glad you brought that point up. It's like, I was just speaking to my lady about it the other day. You know, we were just laying up and I'm like, this is, this is great. This is life. For me. <laughs> like, this is what I want. I don't want all the, the craziness and the, the trauma and the, the toxicity and the just the pain and the hatred. I don't want all that. I want 
just boring. <laughs> if that's what boring <laughs> is, I'll take it because like, you know, coming up, you know, I don't want to have to struggle. I don't want things to be difficult. I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> you know, I don't want to have to say, hey, I overcame this, 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 and this. I would love for things to be easy. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying. Like, I, you know, at, at, at what point can we get to that? You know, it's it really starts with the mindset again. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, uh, you know, I, pu- I push therapy and I push, you know, dealing with our traumas, not alone. Like, but I, I have this concept called the 360 degree support system. Okay. And, you know, I share this when I speak, I share this with, with everyone, because I think that, you know, a lot of us, we, we hear this, you have to do things alone. You can't share what you what you have going on because people use it against you. We have that wrong mentality. In order for us to get to the point where we're doing ordinary lives, we have to do extraordinary things right now, which is sharing. Yeah. Sharing is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be right now, right? So to do that, there's the 360 support system includes, you know, maybe if you have like a best friend, someone you really, really feel comfortable sharing things with, right? You have to have one of those. Then you have your, hopefully, if you can, you have a professional, you know, your therapist, you know, someone you can speak with from an unbiased perspective, mm. right? And then you have your 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 second level. If you look at LinkedIn, right, they got the first level, second level, all that. <laughs> you got your second level. You're not sharing everything with them, but they support you in some way, shape, or form. You have to make sure that everything you're taking in is uplifting, informing, inspiring, or challenging you in yeah. positive ways, right? So it goes also to social media, which is a part of that support system. Social media shouldn't be a bunch of negativity because mm-hmm. we take that energy in. Social media is meant to do those things I just mentioned. Yes. And if your feed is not doing that, it's a bunch of trash. You need to change it. <laughs> I'm just going to call it like I see it. I say that all the time, brother. Change change right. that feed if it's not uplifting you. It, absolutely. And share your story. Like, you know, I I feel comfortable sharing my story because I've done it. And I wasn't, you know, when I first started living, I love, I got on there, got on social media. I didn't use Instagram prior to, but I got on there. I, I shared everything when I was feeling depressed, how I was feeling, what I was going through. You know, if I had a breakdown, I shared all that. People were like, why, why? And why do you tell your story on your website and all this other stuff? I said this because if someone doesn't want to either work with me, someone doesn't want to be a client, someone doesn't want to be a friend, any of that, they weren't meant for me in the first place. Yeah. And if I put that stuff out there now, what now? What weapons do you have against me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm comfortable with me mm-hmm. being me. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. D- Javon, you said something earlier and I, and I forgot to I f- forgot to double tap on that because we say it all the time. Like this, the I, I call it the dreaded V word playfully, but mm-hmm. um, vulnerability is is the source of our success. Um, and telling our stories is so important. So important, and I'm 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 saying this, Devon, because I I want to thank you for being so open to tell your story. Because I realize there are sometimes that even in this space and what I do and what I talk about, I'm still afraid to. I'm still afraid to tell some of my story, you know. Um, I, I I'm still afraid to tell some of my story because the. I, I perceive, you know, the world is going to, or you, you're supposed to be, like you said, you're supposed to be Superman. You're supposed to be the revolution. You're the person out here promoting revolution to the world. You're supposed to be fine. And to actually say that there are aspects of my life that I'm not fine. There are aspects of my life that there's still tremendous work 
to do. You know, there's still suffering that I face on a daily basis that I am working through. And, but almost, almost to my own fault is that I won't say it out loud because I, you know, and I'm saying this now because I'm like, well, it, it, it seems, it seems small, you know, it, it seems, and, and, and yeah, it seems, I'm saying that it seems small. Why, why are you fussing over this or why, you know, but then there's, there's a deeper level to it. And I'm like, well, why, why, why should I tell that story? But I want to thank you for telling you because it opens up an opportunity at some point for me to tell my story about what I'm going through and what, what, what I live through um, on a daily basis. And it's just so interesting uh, being able to be vulnerable. And I, I say this, um, one of the things that I'm doing in this year is chronicling what I'm learning every week, every Sunday or Monday morning. I write down what I learned from the week from the last week and then it then it's 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 so interesting javon to then be able to go back and go back and look you know there's a chronological history now of my learnings and i I, it's interesting to say this because week two of this year i write vulnerability is reserved for the right people at the right time and can be very therapeutic Mm. can you just talk about right i go down a little deeper is that why is, is it that you can't be vulnerable with everyone, but when you can be vulnerable, that it can be therapeutic for you? Absolutely. Well, you know, thank you for, you know, actually admitting that you do. You're not perfect. Everyone's a work in progress. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially those of us doing the work right? because we're constantly <laughs> seeing things, taking on things and experiencing things that, you know, like you said, that aren't ordinary. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and when it comes to vulnerability, so there's different levels and types of vulnerability. Right. Um, so when you talk about sharing everything with everyone, everyone doesn't need to know all of your business. First, of all, let's, let's just put that out there. Right. There are certain people that, you know, when when you hear like don't, don't argue with fools. Right. There are some people <laughs> out there that are just fools that you don't need to waste your energy on. Right. If you post something on social media and there's a troll there, don't worry about it. Don't right, comment. Right. That's what it is. It's like. You know, vulnerability is is energy. <laughs> Everything's energy. Vulnerability is really, really a lot of it's a high energy. And what happens when you share with the wrong people is they de- they detract from that. Um, especially if you waste time explaining yourself, explaining it away, or you know, doing these things that really don't vibe with you. So. Really, you just have to share with the folks that you're comfortable with. It's a process, right? That's why I said you start with the first level, do the second level, the third level. Like until you get to the point where you feel like, hey, I don't give a dang what nobody says, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. then you can start sharing. So it's okay. Like if you're comfortable with it, share away. But remember that it's a process. No one expects you to just go on a stage and start talking about all the things that you've gone through, <laughs> right, to the world tomorrow. No, you start where you are, you know, start with that one person. Then when you feel a little more comfortable, maybe you have someone you feel a little resentment toward or you haven't forgiven quite yet. You talk to that person and let them know how yeah. you feel. You ain't asking for nothing from them. Right. But you're vulnerable enough to say, hey, you made me feel this way or because you did this, you know, this has played in my mind over and over. You know, even if they're not there, you have this conversation right. Even if it was someone that was in the past. Maybe they're no longer in your life. You have that conversation. I had to have the conversation with the, my child version of me. 
You know, I had mm. literally set up a chair next to me and I told oh, you, wow. crazy. But I sat there with my inner child and I said, you listen, I know you've gone through some things, but guess what? You can look at me and you can see that we are okay. Mm. You know? We wow. are okay and we're good. Wow. And that gave me agency to talk to my mother. I talked yeah. to my mom about, you know, some of her choices to how it made me feel. I talked to my sisters. I talked to everyone. And that's really what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is a key to strength for you. Yeah. You know, vulnerability is for you. Forgiveness is for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily for that other person. It's for you to be able to move forward, get out of that past or whatever that negative anchor is and be able to move forward and really, really live. Um, because what happens is if you never allow yourself to be vulnerable in that way, you will you will always feel pain. Mm-hmm. You may put on a facade and like you're happy, but you can't move forward. Like you said, if you don't do the work, you cannot. It's it's virtually impossible to truly move forward and not regress if you don't do the work, the introspection, the therapy and all those other things. Right. So that's why vulnerability is something you you reserve for the proper people. But it's also based on your comfort. Yeah. Brother, I appreciate that because you've given us a tool. I think about this image, right? This this image of this grown version of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the guy with the gray beard, you know, the, the 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 young man, you know, doing his thing. And we didn't even talk about how old you are. But in in but inside of these versions of ourselves, it's still our inner child. And our inner child is at the core of who we are. And I say this all the time to my friends, is that that inner child experienced a lot in the world and ultimately just wants to feel safe just wants to feel loved, just wants the opportunity to love, mm-hmm. right, in a safe, right, uninhibited way, right, to walk in the world without the trauma that whatever was experienced as a child. And to be vulnerable to say that, you know, to be vulnerable to say that, ultimately, I think it boils down, we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is that we get to love and belong. If all of our other needs are met, I got water, I got food, I got, you know, a roof over me. The next thing is, I, I need some spaces where I can feel safe. And I say this all the time is that, you know, black men don't talk about safety. Right. We, we don't, that word doesn't come up in our, in our, our vernacular, right? Hey, I need to feel safe. But what I saw today, just, in, just in conversation with you, your lady came in, right? And there, there was a, there was an interaction between the two of you and the dog, Right. You've created you've created this space. Right. The smile that you had on your face, just the comfort. There's a level of safety there that allows you to then move into another space of your life. And that is a very interesting thing is that when we can feel safe, we can be vulnerable with friends and family members and lovers and partners and all all the different things. Right. But it it is a creation of the space. And there's a duality or a, a, a syncopation that has to happen with folks to create that level of space and safety for black men, because there are a lot of spaces that we don't feel safe in. Right. And I'm saying this for, I'm saying this for all of the allies that are listening to the show that I love. And thank you for listening to the show because you want to understand what's going on with black folks and, and black men. But there are a lot of spaces that we don't feel safe in. But when we do, when we do feel safe, that allows us to be the greatest versions of ourselves. And that, that is the biggest thing. Go ahead, brother. Uh, absolutely, man. And and one thing I want us, us black men to realize is, you know, that safety is the onus isn't on someone else. You know, 
And that's what we have to. You can't blame black women. You can't blame this person, that person. The onus starts with you. Right. That is really your job to start the work first. Right. A lot of times, you know, we come into to situations You know, I've done it. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. I'm fine. And, and I wasn't fine. And I've hurt someone else. Right. Because I was still processing not properly. Um, so we also have to realize like that, that safety respect doesn't equate to safety. That's what a lot of black men saying, Hey, I want my respect because that equates to safety for many of us. Well, we have to understand that safety starts here and here first. Mm-hmm. And that's where the ability to be vulnerable with your woman, vulnerable with your friends, vulnerable with your families, right? Because oftentimes we're like, man, I don't have anyone. Well, you don't have anyone because you haven't shared that there's a need for someone else. Mm. You know, we have to realize that we need to let these people in, you know? Uh, I, um, remember that, that, that thing I had never really said. <laughs> there it is, revolutionaries. I, I'm an only child. And um, it has been very, very hard for me to say that that I need somebody. You know, we work hard. And for the last couple of years, I've been taking care of my family and my father and my mother and the entrepreneurs that I serve and my friends and all the things. And I've realized that, whew, didn't expect this. Let it, let it out, man. Let um, it, it's all right. Oh, man. Um, it's all right, brother. Yeah. I realized that I had not said that. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't being poured into. I was, I was pouring, I was pouring and pouring. I was taking care of a, a, a father with Alzheimer's. I'm taking care of a mother now who is grieving the loss of her partner who has arthritis, um, stewarding entrepreneurs. You know, I'm, I'm running this podcast, all, all the different things. And, you know, you go home sometimes and it's like, damn, okay, I, I've done all this and, and I got, I still got to take care of me. And that has been the hardest part of, of this that, you know, I even said it to a friend. I was like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Um, cause when you, you, when you, when you, when you're pouring and you, you're dry and you're pouring, you know, it's, it's tough. And I've, I, I've never said that. So it, I often love Javon when I can get the guests to tell me something that they've, they've never said on this show. You know, I love that. I've never said that. Talk to corporate. I've never said that on the show. Well, guess what? You got me. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I appreciate you sharing, man. And, and you know what that just did? That gave you license. Everyone that just heard you is not with you. Right yeah. now we can support you. Uh, I know you got me, man. Like, you know, like that's, that's true. And I truly mean that, you know, if there's any way I can be of assistance, let me know. But we have to share those things or else no one can be there. Right. Yeah. When you constantly pour and you're empty, you're really, 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 you know, in the long run, you're, you're not able to serve anyone in that capacity. Yeah. yeah. Right? That, is, um, that is definitely so true. You really have to take some time to, to fill up and get poured into uh, so, hey, let's uh, t- let me know, man, on the show. Hold me <laughs> I, 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 you, I, you heard it first on this show on the What's Your Revolution <laughs> podcast. Javon would have said he will support Dr. Charles Corporal. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Wow. <laughs> 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 I appreciate it. Let's move this conversation because, look, look, I'm looking at the time already. I'm like, wow. Uh, it, 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 it goes by fast. I want to talk about the book for a second. Um and a lot of things that a lot of things that come up in the book, we've already talked about. 
But the book Own Your Kingdom really, really talks about shifting a negative mindset and things like this and the mindsets that can destroy us. How do we use the book as a guidepost to shift our mindset and become revolutionary in our lives? And that's a great question. Luckily, the book is actually a workbook. It comes with a downloadable workbook with over 100 exercises, right? And I call out each exercise that you need to do to move forward. Uh, so it's really, it's, it, it makes it easy for you. Uh, if you truly do these, these exercises, there's, um, therapy style exercises like the ABCD journal, right? There's things where you recognize what the situation is, how you responded. Did you place an interrupt between the thought and emotion before mm-hmm. you did that? You know, Victor Frankel, Victor Frankel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, search for meaning. So there's a lot of exercises. There's a uh, goal setting, there's self contracts. You know, it's so easy for us to make a promise to someone. And we feel horrible when we break it, but we can break our promises to ourselves. Right. So it's really about allowing yourself to see you as your own best friend. Treat yourself like that. And I guarantee you things will change quickly for you. Mm. Um, so I give a lot of those, the exercises. Each chapter is broken out into something I had to go through myself. Like you mentioned, forgiveness equals success is the first chapter. Right? Right. So, and then towards the end, we create an action plan for lasting success where you have these tools and you can just rely on them because they're they're now automated. Right. That's really you mentioned it's a practice. That's really what it's about. Right. It's not about being perfect perfect, but it's about ensuring that you're building that, that muscle, right? You're working to the point where it's, you're, you're more often than not aware of your thoughts, which means you're aware of how you respond versus react, right? Right. Um, it's about getting that from the primitive brain, like you talked about earlier, to the, the human part of our brains, right? So yeah. the process. Uh, yes. And that's really what the book is. It's already a workbook. If you read it and you truly do the work, you will be better for it. Right. Revolutionaries, you heard that. Go out and get this book, Own Your Kingdom. Javon Wooden, not Woodard. All right. Javon Wooden, uh, CEO of Live Not Loathe. Absolutely. I just want to talk about something because you talked about this. And we're most of us have not been perfect people through our lives, right? We've we've done things, we've agreed to people, we've done we've we we've we've done things that this version this version of ourselves is not happy with. Absolutely. Why is forgiveness, right, the equation to success? Why does forgiveness equal success? Yeah, forgiveness equals success because it allows you to move forward and not be stuck in a perpetual state of despair or anxiety or pain. Um, When you forgive, it frees you, right, from that mental bondage, that emotional bondage, because that's what happens when we're holding on to something. That thing may not be there anymore. That person may not be there anymore, but you're constantly thinking about it and you're giving power Right. To to relinquish that power, you have to truly forgive. (laughs) You have to truly it's not about letting it go, but it's about being able to move forward. You know, when I get to the point where you could talk about it, you can talk to the person or you can you can tell someone about whatever happened. That's when you know you're truly on the path to forgiveness. Right. Because if you get angry all over again or you feel those emotions, you haven't really relinquished it yet. And that thing still has power over you. So forgiveness equals success because it allows you to move forward. And be present versus be living in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that because I keep thinking about things. And you know, I, I was uh, again. Here you go. You got me to say something that I, I haven't said on the podcast before. Um, I was engaged to one of the most one of the most engaging, beautiful humans in the world. Um, and I, I, I've been saying I've been saying this for a long time. She worked really, really, really hard. 
to make our relationship work. Mm. I didn't work hard enough. And I have been holding that because once you realize that, well, you know, once you realize that the world is, is by me and not to me, you know, there's, there's a difference, right? I created that. I created the relationship. The outcome was, the outcome came because she was working really, really hard and I wasn't working hard enough. And once I realized that and I took ownership, there has been a level of guilt, not, not even a level of guilt. There's been enormous guilt right. that this woman loved me, gave me every ounce of support and love and then i didn't work hard enough and then you that realization like well damn and then to realize the suffering that has gone on since then you know i haven't forgiven myself but but you've given me agency to say okay you 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 have wrestled with this you've acknowledged this you've acknowledged responsibility and ownership right and now it's time for you to forgive yourself because she's actually forgiven you Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. She's actually, you know, and she's, you know, she is, you know, one of the closest, closest humans to me. And I call her, I say human because she's, there's some people that just gravitate in the world just a little bit differently. And she does. And so she brings a human level of, of, of emotional intelligence and cognizance and love and joy to the world. And, you know, saying that now, like I, I forgiving myself for the things that I did will allow me to move on and open up, you know, for those things. So, brother, brother uh, you sure, you sure you, you know what I'm saying? That. I love you. Know, you, 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 you get me to say things on this show, you know, and, 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 and forgiveness is, is, is so, and we have, we, we haven't been, I haven't been perfect. You know, I, I have far from perfect. I say all this time on the show this version of me is resting on like hundreds of dead versions of me that I look, I want to bury, like, like put them, put them in the crematorium. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ashes. I look, I don't want to see that version of me I anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, to be this better version, you know, that has the ability to be vulnerable and open and loving that Victor Frankel quote is that, you know, in between stimulus and response is a, pause there's a there's a space between stimulus and where we have the ability to discern how we're going to react absolutely and it's hard because that that in itself is very very hard work but it goes back to our conversation around mindset that 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 work because the physiological response around anxiety and depression will create like i need to react because i don't like the way that i feel and I don't want to feel like this for long. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I want to go. I don't want, I, I want that ease of homeostasis, Javon, <laughs> right? That ease of, I don't, I, I want to, no, no. So I'm going to respond this way and I'm going to panic because I don't like this feeling and this is how I cope. But I oftentimes it. it's maladaptive coping and then now we're creating something bigger. Go ahead, bro. Oh no! I'm just saying. I'm, I'm listening to everything you're saying. I'm loving it, brother. I'm loving it. See, these types of conversations, we we can talk all day about it. For sure, uh, I love it. I love it. Um, I just want to talk about a, a little bit because I know that you're an activist as well. And one of the things that there are a lot of causes that we can sit, we can sit in and really, really take hold of and use our voice and our talent and our wisdom and our treasure. How do you become an activist, right? How, how, how does one day, you know, I, I wake up and say, oh, I, I really believe in this cause. Like Ron DeSantis right now is pissing me off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's pissing, like, Ron DeSantis is pissing me off. 
Like, I'm not thinking about moving to Florida and just, uh, he's pissing me off. How do you become an activist? Uh, well, for me, once, once I find a cause, man, I, I'm going all in. Like, I'll find the organizations that's already doing it. I'll create, like, groups to, to rally around it, uh, find out how I can support. Like, I feel like time is the, is the best thing we can, we can give when it comes to a cause, right? I understand a lot of people say they don't have time, but donate a couple of dollars, whatever. But activism is really doing it in your own way, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to be in, in a way that everyone else wants you to do it. So if you don't have the time, donate a couple of dollars. If you don't have a couple of dollars, post on social media about it. Right. Like share the cause with your friends. Spread the word about the cause. You know, just do it in your way, whatever way you're capable of at that moment. Yeah. And I think that's just it. Using what you have. Using what you have. Then- Right. To bring voice to bring voice, as uh, my good friend Charles Divin says, is that bringing voice to the voiceless sometimes. And look, look, the good folks of Florida who are fighting against Ron DeSantis. Right. I'm about to use this platform and my voice to be like, what the hell are you doing down there? You know, this is look, this is white supremacy. Right. On its face, doing everything it can to create policies all the time that are going to stymie the education of folks around the historical nature, right? The historical, the economic development, all the things that impact folks of color in Florida, this man is trying to do, right? Uh, Trying to stymie. And so... Uh, what's a revolution is saying, look, look, we're going to use this platform as a, pl- uh, as, as a form of activism because those folks in Florida, man, y'all got something on your hands down there, dear brother. Um, we're going to try something new today. We, we, we've never done this before. And since Javon has gotten me to do something really, really new, uh, you know, to be really, really vulnerable here. Um, I want you to pick a number one through five, Javon. Uh, two, two. All right. Um, Based on your current set of goals, what are the choices that you need to make to ensure that you're revolutionary, not ordinary? Well, uh, every day I have to decide to win. (laughs) Okay. That's that's my main choice. And and within that, I always identify three things that I need to accomplish within that day. Right. Okay. Prioritize them. Uh, And right now it's really about leveraging my platform to spread the word about, you know, us ascending. And I focus on minority, uh, minority service based businesses. Uh, so that's my that's my goal. That's my 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 plight is to really get all of us, not generational wealth, but wealth where it's lasting past the generation. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I want I want to level the playing field, man. We're like we start below zero uh, and that can't be. So that's right. That's, uh, so every day, you know, that's what my decision is. That's my choice is to. Yeah, I to love that the word and help others. I got you. Like you said, choose to win. Choose right? to win. And, and, and choose to win. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Revolutionaries, look, when you listen to this episode, you're going to be like, whoa, uh, Brother Javon has given us a, a, a roadmap. And I want you to go out and get his book because he's given you a roadmap in the book <laughs> right there, right? How to own your kingdom, right? To think about vulnerability and, 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 and mindset and what we need to do to be successful in our lives personally and professionally and and to think about that if we go back to howard price he talked about you know running you know running those lengthy hills in tennessee and seeing that woman who was in a wheelchair right he tells the story javon about this woman in the wheelchair right and he's he's running a, a full iron man and this he he said there are miles he's hearing this woman for miles because she's got a bullhorn and he gets past her and she's got a she's in a wheelchair and she's 
It's a privilege to do what you're doing. Mm. And she says it over and over and over. It's a privilege to do what you're doing. To think about that, that that mindset. And, and, and I say that her revolution was to be out there that day to support those folks. She could have been home watching TV, doing something. Not can't, I can't do this. But what she offered was her talent, her time. And in that nature, it was her treasure to motivate folks to move on. That was her win. And as we think about that, if we shift the mindset, right, and we think about the, the space between stimulus and response, what Javon, I think, is saying is that we can own our kingdom. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Exactly. We can. And it's, it's really, again, it's the decision that it starts with. Yeah. Brother, I appreciate you and thank you for all the support and the support and therapy doing this. Yeah, man. Revolutionaries, go out and get the book. Make sure go to live is livenotloathe.com. Yep, livenotloathe.com. But for the book, you can go to oykbook.com. It has its own play page and you can go ahead and connect with me there and get the workbook. I got you. I got you. Revolution, as you know that I love you, that we are here for you as you're on your journey to answering and now fulfilling your revolution. Um, we're with you. We're with you. We're with you. And we want you to be successful in everything that you do. Think about it. We want you to own your kingdom and we want you to know what it looks like to then pass that kingdom down and your folks and your families and your communities can own their kingdoms. It is a beautiful thing for our people to look out and see the vast, vast beauty of our lands together as we come together. So let's see how we do that. We'll talk to you soon, revolutionaries. Have a great, great, great day. Peace, everyone. What's good, revolutionaries? Man, it's a great show, brother. That was awesome, man. Do you think, brother? Peace, peace, peace. Ooh, a revolution. I would love that. You said it right, that instant gratification, you know, it's just like, it's, it's really disrupting a lot of folks. It's, really keeping people from from achieving any type of potential because they don't stick with anything long enough it's like squirrel you know <laughs> next big thing next trend next fad you know squirrel squirrel exactly so I, i'm with you on that one man it's one of the things i work with consistently with, with clients is like hey you know how you don't know how do you know it works you never really gave it a try you never really attempted it truly right you did something you said hey i'm just gonna give my college try you know i'm gonna say i did something say i tried this out but you really didn't talk about you know live not loathe and really really fleshing that out i think that's probably when i ask you that question what's your revolution that may be in your answer but if it's not i want to talk about that as well okay yeah sounds yeah. good how's that feel sounds great feels all great. right okay cool cool here we go we're gonna go for about 40 45 minutes okay
I just it, it, it's just you know it's just an opportunity just to just enjoy each other. Absolutely. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. What's good, revolutionaries?